Welcome back to the Electrify podcast, brought to you by the creators of Electrify Expo, North America's largest EV festival coming to a major city near you. Well, hello and welcome back to the Electrify News podcast. I am Matt Teske, as always, here with the. It's going to be delectable again today, Joe. The delectable. I like. Joe I like being delectable. I think it rolls off the uh, the tongue. Well, it does. I mean, and frankly, I feel like they could be the name of like, you know, like the wrong good car one day. It's like the brand the new wrong good car. It's it's better than BZ4X. But well, hey, well, it's 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 you got to say if what's more memorable, you know, what's what's more memorable. Exactly right. Speaking of memorable things, we just got back from Long Island. We were at Electrify Expo New York this past weekend. And uh, man, it was a really good show. And I got to be honest with you, it's Wednesday right now as we're recording this. And I don't think I'm really recovered from New York. Honestly, uh, well, again, I, I actually was out there again a few days before the show started. And uh, it it flew by. But again, I mean, the show was great. And and the best part was, is, you know, the weather held outdoor events, you know, can always be entertaining that way. But the weather held was great. Um, but no, I think that what it, you know, what it showed was like every time there's a new city and Electrifex was there is, there's a hunger for this stuff. That's what it says. There is a hunger for this stuff. And, you know, there were so many people doing the rides. And I wasn't 100% sold on the way that we did the venue. So if you've been to an Electrify Expo event before, you kind of know we have all the, the e-mobility brands kind of in one area. And it's very linear and kind of boxed in. What we did this time was the very kind of um, the e-mobility brands were kind of in a like a sort of semicircle around the Nassau Coliseum. And it kind of spread out the show and it made it a lot easier to connect one-on-one with the different brands and yeah. kind of give you some elbow room. And it, it really seems to work because the number of demo rides and the number of bikes and cars that were sold at the show from what I heard was like really, really good in terms of like for the vendors. So I thought that was, that was good news to hear. Um, I'm really curious though about the two days that you spent before the show driving around New York. Cause you and I were talking about that from, from a chargeway perspective that you were just kind of like checking out the infrastructure and yeah. putting new images on the station finders and things like that. So yeah. like, how did you find being a tourist, being someone who's not from here, how did you find like the ease of finding these things and the locating of these, uh, of these, you know, public chargers in long Island? Well, again, long Island's a unique place in the, and in the sense that what we also heard when we were, um, you know, at the show this past weekend was that, you know, obviously there's a lot of homeowners on the Island. So I was curious to see exactly what the public infrastructure would look like how it would feel because they do still get a lot of tourists to Long Island. And so, I mean, using Chargeway, it was easy to find, you know, again, depending on which car I wanted to use, you know, what, you know, what stations I could find for that car. Um, there was honestly a lot of fast charging infrastructure there, you know, set up on, you know, the major thoroughfares um, on the turnpikes there. And I think that what, what really was fun, it was every time I pulled up to a station, there was someone there charging. And so I had a really good chance to sit and talk to, you know, the, the owners of the cars. I ran into someone that had, a RAV4 Prime. I ran into someone who had a Polestar. I ran into someone with an Ionic 5, someone with a Lucid Air, someone with a Genesis GV60. So it was really epic to see the variety of EVs on the island. Again, and some people were local, some people were just kind of coming and going. But what it showed me was that, again, if you rewind five years, the infrastructure like that wasn't there. And there's so much infrastructure on Long Island that, I mean, I got to see most of the fast chargers out there in the two days I was out, but I didn't even make it all the way out to the eastern edge where montauk is and there are fast chargers out there so if you're going to visit out there for even the day you can fast charge there whether you're driving a tesla or a non-tesla vehicle depending on the plug type and you can make it back so um i was impressed but as we discussed even with people to show there's still a want and a need for even more public charging 
A hundred percent. And, but there's something here that we kind of glossed over. You rented, you were able to rent an electric car for the weekend. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So that was interesting. So I had the option of either a Polestar two or a Tesla model three uh, through Hertz. And I thought, all right, well, I'm just going to go for the Tesla. I, that's what I currently drive. So I was like, well, it keeps it simple for me. God but, forbid we experience something new. <laughs> I know, I know. But what was fun is that I got a chance to meet people. A lot of the Tesla superchargers that I encountered were actually near some of the non-Tesla fast chargers. And that's what allowed me to see and meet some of these other you know, folks that didn't have Teslas. And that was a lot of fun. Um, but what it also did prove, honestly, was that there's still a lot of need for education. Um, again, talking to, you know, one gentleman that pulled up at a charging station, he had a Tesla that he had rented as well. And it was an Electrify America station. And he said, nope, I'm going to plug in and use my adapter. And I thought, okay, I thought he had a, you know, a fast charging adapter, but he tried to use the little adapter, the level two adapter that comes with the car when you rent it. And I had to explain to him, this isn't going to work for you. And I showed him Chargeway, explained how, here's how it works. And he was really grateful. Um, but it was really interesting that the amount of folks I talked to that were at the stations, they were in love with their cars, but you could tell they still had a lot of questions about charging. You know, and I think that that's, there, there's a lot of new outreach groups that are kind of coming on the scene here to do that education, especially in Long Island. Mm-hmm. There was Drive Electric Long Island. I almost said Drive Electric Long Beach. <laughs> oh, I was going to say, <laughs> you and the Long Drive Beach, Electric man. Long Island, you know, and, and Rosemary was on the show. She's one of the people that did a live episode with us. And mm-hmm. they were just great. And they were giving us some wild statistics, as you said, you know, Long Island is kind of unique and that has a lot of homeowners, but 85% of the people that yeah. live on Long Island are in a single family, single unit home. That's a tremendous, tremendous statistic. And the response to that, to being able to fuel up at home, to be able to charge your vehicle in your own house, you know, you're, you're seeing that benefit play out in the sales. Cause she was saying that it was like one in three of the new EV registrations were happening in Long Island for New York. Oh, for New York. Yeah, no, that was, a, I mean, the statistics that she was able to share and, and, and Jacob, who, who was on the show as well with, uh, that you'll hear that podcast uh, from Long Island EVs on Twitter. It was great to hear their feedback because again, at the end of the day, front, the front lines of what's happening with electric vehicle adoption and all the cities that the expo goes to is, is important to have those conversations. And yeah, Long Island, when she mentioned the 85% single family homes on Long Island, it was both not too shocking considering like, you know, the layout of Long Island and, 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 you know, the history of it, but also thinking about that opportunity for EVs, that means basically the majority of people that live there could just fill up at home. And a lot of those, the fast charging infrastructure that's there would be for that 15% that aren't homeowners or for the many tourists that do come to Long Island throughout the entire uh, island. So no, it was, it was really fun hearing from folks that are again on the front lines of this effort. And again, and drive electric Long Island, you know, and talking to them, they've been working on this for years with multiple groups, the utility companies, you know, uh, municipalities, you know, city leaders there on the Island for these efforts. So um, it was great to hear that they were excited that the expo was there, but also fun to hear about what their history is. So. Yeah, exactly right. And, you know, so we talk about all these different people at the show, but I think the really, the real reason people come to electrify expo, especially at at these events is to experience and see for themselves sort of the hot new EVs, the new electric vehicles that are out there that they may have never seen in person before. And at this weekend show, we had a couple of vehicles that had never been shown to the North American public before. Obviously, the BMW i7, that's the all-electric flagship sedan that's going to go up against the Mercedes-Benz EQS, uh, you know, and, and also the Tesla Model S and the Lucid mm-hmm. Air. And, like, to me, to my eyes, I thought that was the best-looking BMW 7 I've seen since, like, 
2002-ish, whenever they did that <laughs> horrible bubble butt thing. The, bubble the butt. other side of that, we had Toyota with their Crown Hybrid. That was a, a new vehicle that they had for the U.S. market. We did an episode with uh, Maggie from Toyota that was really mm-hmm. nice. And then on the two-wheeled side, Onyx brought out their first ever mountain bike. And Onyx is really fun because like, they're kind of like this moped group. They kind of sit in the middle of even more so, I think, than you know, brands like Super 73 or Zugo Bike that also yeah. have kind of a moped style thing. They're really into that like 70s, early 80s kind of aesthetic. So for them to go away from that and really deliver like a stunt bike, like a like mm. a you know, big boy BMX bike, I thought that was kind of a wild departure. And that turned out to be a really great show. Um and was there other stuff out there? There was the Swin car. That was the first time I think that's been in North America. Yeah, first time seeing that. Um, again, I think what was really fun is is the fam- the family atmosphere of what we saw. Honestly, that was really neat. I think what we're seeing is the demographics of people that are showing up to the expo, at least what I saw in New York, was it was a nice cross-section of basically everybody from mom and dad to bring in those kids and also people that are that are you know, enthusiasts about, you know, e-mobility and again, e-bikes and things of that nature. You saw the cross-section of everything. I mean, I think one of the other things that really uh, stood out to me, well, I mean, frankly, I, mean, I, I don't have an e-bike, but I keep getting exposed more and more to these options. And to your point about what Onyx brought out, I thought was great. Um, I think, you know, the team from Spark that we talked to, I thought their custom bikes were absolutely awesome. Um, is, that the, I, is that the one that's finally going to get you? Uh, maybe <laughs> I gotta say that the night, the 90s retro custom was rad. Uh, the Mad Max one was rad. Um, I just, I'm and here. I am saying rad cause hey, I'm bringing it back, but Good what, what we, well, again, but what we're seeing is, is, is differentiation within that space. I mean, th- there's a lot of players coming into that, into that place in that marketplace. And as much as the electric vehicles get a lot of the attention, you know, as, as kind of like, you know, the, the, you know, the pinnacle products that are at the event, I think what we're seeing more is there are people that, just don't know what they don't know. And they show up and they're like, wow, this e-bike's great. This e-scooter's great. And you start to see more people that are saying, I could I could get into this quick. And frankly, from a price perspective, it is very approachable. So yeah, and you know, there's a whole lot of you know new laws and new rules coming out. So we've been talking about the Inflation Reduction Act now for like what seems like 16 years, but it's probably Never. just been like two weeks. It's just, it's it just can vote lot. now. It's been that long. It can vote now. <laughs> it's got 700 pages. It can do all kinds of things. But in New York, there is now in the New York state Senate, there is a bill now for a 50% e-bike rebate capped at uh, $1,100. So that means if mm-hmm. you buy a $2,000 e-bike, you'll get an e-bike, you'll get a thousand dollars off a $1,500 e-bike. You'll get seven fifty off. But even if you go nuts and you get like a grape or a pivot or something wild, that's like 15 grand, you get $1,100 off of that. That's not nothing. Yeah. And that is like a real incentive to get people out of the car, out of the $5,000, or I'm sorry, 5,000 pound, if you can find an electric car for five grand, buy that too. <laughs> but out of the 5,000 pound EV and into something that is, you know, lightweight, fun, infinitely less carbon to manufacture, infinitely less emissions as you're riding it. And honestly, it seems to be a lot of fun. And for people who are in that urban environment or who are in that sort of suburby, you know, homebound lifestyle where they're just living their life within five miles of home. If they can reduce half the trips yeah, that they take with a car, if they can take half the trips they take in a car on a bike, that's going to be tremendous, not only for the environment, but for their wallet as well. No, and really, and thinking about that. So I, I spent the first, you know, night and, you know, first day or two uh, when I came out in Manhattan and I saw a ton of people with e-bikes in Manhattan 
And then coming out to Long to Long Island, you almost said Long Beach. Oh, you almost said Long Beach. Almost did. <laughs> but then coming out to Long Island, what I noticed was is again, that's a completely different type of you know geographic layout. But when so you'll see a need for cars if you're gonna go from one end of the island to the next. But when you're on Long Island, all I mean, everything from you know Southampton to all the you know small pockets and little towns and, and little you know, little areas where people have their houses, there's a lot of option and reasons to say. You can have e-bikes here. You get down to the beach and back. You go down to you go, go, go to eat and back. So it's interesting to see. And one of the questions, questions rather, one of the conversations we had at the show uh, with Matt from Spark is he commented on how their design was built and based around the needs of New England, and how he said a lot of the inspiration they had was from you know what you'll need. You know, there's no bike lanes, for example. So how do you get in and out of traffic quickly and safely? You got to have a little bit of extra speed. So. I think it's it's really fun to go to these different geographic areas to see how these use cases are happening. In Manhattan, you may not be getting an EV, but an e-bike may be perfect. Whereas Long Island, you have a really good blend for both. You could have an EV that you charge at home and an e-bike you take to the beach. So, yeah. I mean, in that sense, it was it was really cool to see just how that looked and getting a chance to you know just chat with people about their different takes on the products that were at the show. Yeah, 100%. You know, we had so many people come out, people that we've known before and people that we met at the show and kind of made friends with. And it, it, as you said, to your point, kind of that huge range of everything. But there, there's one other thing that I want to bring up. We did not get to do our Jeff Goldblum movie marathon. Yeah, it was a pity. I know, but I did watch Goldblum on uh, Hot Ones. I don't want to plug like another YouTube show, but like <laughs> it was like 20 minutes of Goldblum being like his fairly realistic self. Like, I think like that might, by the time you get to like the fifth or sixth hot sauce, I think that's pretty much who you are. <laughs> exactly. And like being very man, honest at that point. He's yeah, you're pretty honest at that point. And like, dude, he's so much weirder than I always and, expect uh, him to be. And I and I just love every ounce of it. It's like, oh Jeff, yeah, a hundred percent. We appreciate you listening every week, Jeff, and we really can't wait to have <laughs> you on the show. So, so. so are you ready for this segue? Uh-huh. What did you think was the most Jeff Goldblumy vehicle? at the New York Electrify Expo. Oh my gosh. Uh, well, which Jeff Goldblum are we talking about here, right? Are we talking the hot I, I think we're we talking... talking about like seventh hot sauce, Jeff Goldblum. Ooh, all right. Uh, He's a fancy well, lad. He likes, uh, you know, he likes jazz music and uh, skibbida bapa doobada bapa stuff. Ooh, well, at that yeah. point, ooh. I mean, if we're talking EVs, I'm just picturing my head like, I mean, even the layout of the event, I'm kind of like, what would he go for? Um I don't. I mean, honestly, I keep getting back to that that i seven. <laughs> the i seven that was a nice car. I mean, that was legitimately like. Oh, it's it's nice. And if you're if you're a BMW enthusiast, it's. I mean, that thing is is everything you've ever wanted from a seven series. But it's all the benefits of having an EV, you know. So I I don't I don't necessarily maybe that wasn't the most gold bloomy, uh, you know, EV of of, of the event. But uh, I don't. know. I could also see him rocking an e scooter like with his I was turtle, say, turtleneck was and coat m- on. You know. <laughs> so new NIU, they had a rose gold KQI three, which is their like flagship scooter, mm-hmm. but it was done in rose gold. And I was like, that's the fancy lead scooter. Yeah, exactly. Right. <laughs> well, no, I mean, yeah, I, I think that if, if we're, if we're looking at what each of these events is showing is that people that are going to, you know, come out for the first time and have, have a, you know, an opportunity to really see what an EV can be from, you know, the tiniest to the biggest, I think we're just going to keep seeing more and more how people are having their aha moment, you know? Yes. And, and I think that's the part that is most uh, entertaining to be, you know, be there in person to see. 
So after the fact, it always turns into, okay, so how can we, you know, make the event bigger, better, bolder? Because that's what people kept saying, like the drive electric Long Island folks kept saying, well, you have no idea how excited we are that you're here. And because we've been doing this stuff for a long time, but we really can't wait to see it next year. So that's just the next, you know, the next step. So, so you're mentioning that aha moment. And that is where people, you know, kind of make that leap and go, Oh, an EV an electric vehicle, whether it's a car or bike, that's really going to work for me and fit into my life. You know, and you yourself, you're a Tesla guy. You're an early adopter. You had a Chevy bolt. You've had a couple mm-hmm. of these EVs now. So you're like in that sort of Tesla subculture. And I think, you know, where I'm going with this, so it's kind of oh. a weird thing happening within the Tesla subculture right now. Yeah. So, yeah. What this is, what I'm getting at is there's a couple of people, a couple of Tesla owners in Norway. They have decided that they are fed up with their quality issues. Their, you know, their uh, heated steering wheel gets too hot. Their cooled seats get too cool. Um, You know, they all kinds of really what I consider to be like really first world problems. And their solution to this is to go on a hunger strike until Elon Musk pays attention to them and fixes their cars. But like, it, like I, I am, I am no fan of Elon Musk. Like I really, I really think he's like a, like a immature sort of. He's a, agenda. he's a lightning rod. He's a lightning rod, right? And I, I just, I, I don't have anything against the guy, but I don't like the guy either. But like, I have to say, I really loved his tweet about like intermittent fasting has been shown to have several health benefits. <laughs> <laughs> well, I, and again, and that's here's the thing is uh, like it's funny, but at the end of the day, it's like look, you you have loyal customers. Who have bought your product? Who are saying, "Look, you're leaving us hanging," you know, and uh, you know, I a can't... hunger strike. No, no, it's don't get me wrong. It's it's ridiculously extreme. I mean, it, it's yeah. also the it's okay. also the evidence of the type of you know the type of you know consumer or you know you know EV driver there is in certain parts of the world. You know, um, that's I, true. And there's always going to be weirdos everywhere. I mean, there's the guys that have like the you know 87 Ford tattoos on their back. That's true, but I mean, but at the end of the day, here's the thing: is we're talking about it. So for them to take the steps that they did to try we to get attention for it, it, we are talking about it. So their goal was to get attention. Poof, it happened. I mean, they spelled out help with their cars and, and took a photo with a drone. I mean, they they got what they needed, which is the attention. And, and candidly, I just I hope that means that whether it's Elon or, or you know Tesla of, of Norway, they go, look, OK, we, we've heard you. You're bringing attention to the fact that we've let you down. Let's see what we can do. The hunger strike aspect of it. It's just it's part of the drama. But at the end of the day, you have to take care of your part customers. of the drama. So. I, I agree with that. I agree with that. I just, I feel like, I feel like from the customer point of view, some of that is a little bit disingenuous. You know, like you can't sit there and fly the flag for Tesla and say like, this is the most, you know, like everything they do is to manufacture things and they're pushing out things as fast as humanly possible. And like, they're going to be manufacturing cars so fast that wind resistance inside of the factory is going to become an issue, which Birds is something will lose feathers just standing by, but that's yeah. something Elon Musk actually said about yeah. model three production was he, we're going to be building these cars so fast that we're going to have to take into account wind resistance inside the factory. So like, okay, that's fine. And that's yeah. cool. We love it. We think it's awesome. I'm on board with that. But at the same time, you know, what's the old saying? It, it takes, you know, it takes, 16 hours to make a Camry and 2,500 hours to make a Rolls Royce. (laughs) Like, all right, you know, you want this, you know, you, you're, you're, you know, that this guy churned out 500,000 of these things in 40 seconds. What did you expect? I mean, the fact that it holds together at all is kind of a minor miracle, right? Well, these are, these are enthusiasts. And that's not a dig at Tesla. That's a, that's a dig at ultra high speed manufacturing. 
Right. I mean, yeah, it's if you're going to manufacture something fast, you better have all of your ducks in a row to know how to do it very effectively. And certain automakers have proven that they know how to do that. Uh, and Tesla has yet to be, I, I think, proficient at that. And again, the evidence is in the complaints they're seeing from owners. Um, and I think that, you know, the, the, at the end of the day, we're talking about people that are emotionally drawn into what an EV means to them. That For them, it's more than a mode of transportation. And Tesla was the brand that has been you know, the, you know, the leading edge of making this industry happen. And so yes. they've become very, very passionate about their, that brand and what it stands for, for them because of the passion they had about bringing EVs to market faster. So for that, they're very connected to the brand, but they're also still consumers and drivers that are like, well, wait a minute, you know, we've been great advocates for you and you've left us hanging. And so, yeah, yeah. It, on, on one end, they're still advocates because they only want to see EVs in the road and they still see Tesla as the, as the authentic version of that. Um, I think there's many, many EV owners who, um, and Tesla fans for that matter, who want to see more EVs come to market from other brands, but they are very connected to the Tesla brand and they will, you know, stick with it even with these pain points. Um, but to your point, you kind of can't have it both ways. You know? Yeah, I, I, I kind of respect that though, because everything you're saying is 100% right. We would not have an electric i7 from bmw right now if it wasn't for tesla we wouldn't have an eqs you know we wouldn't have the uh you know the the anything we wouldn't have any of this right we'd have like maybe another leaf maybe another volt kind of thing but like we are having this conversation this is all happening because tesla is the one who proved it was possible right and i have to give you like genuine legit bro dude you're the man kudos for allowing me to vent about Tesla fanboys and not mentioning that I actually do own the Volvo Joe URL. <laughs> <laughs> so well, good for you. Thank every, you. I was going to say, everybody's got a, everybody's got a bias, right? Everybody's I mean, got a thing. Alex, feel free to bleep that out. <laughs> <laughs> no, but, it, but the reality of it is, is we have, we have to be mindful of the fact that there's always a human element to all this and, and passionate people, you know, are, are passionate about various things. And when it comes to EVs, Yes. I mean, I, I agree with everything you just said. We would not be talking about a beautiful electric i7 if it was not for Tesla or about or about an EQS or about, I mean, anything that's really mainstream electric right now. It all will come back to, and history will prove to say, it's because this company and the people that were passionate about those products, the buyers, the people that worked for that company helped make that possible. It isn't just about Elon. It's about right. the people that really wanted to see it succeed and again, it's translating into other brands now, which is great. But there are some people that are like, you know what? But I'm still going to be more passionate about this brand Tesla, even though they're letting me down about this customer service issue or this maintenance issue. I still feel they're more authentic, even though they're basically making my life a misery right now. Those people are just, you know, going to be there. Do you think that someone, and I, I know the answer to this, but I'm, I'm leading you this way anyway. <laughs> Do you think that some of the problems that Tesla has in terms of their customer support and customer service could be alleviated by having a dealer as an intermediary to do a pre-delivery inspection and do a complete walk around and have someone locally available as a point of contact to ask questions and stop in and drop by whenever you felt like it? Oh, of course. I mean, again, you get lost in the digital world of, hey, you have a you have a maintenance problem. Go on your app and submit a report, and we'll get back to you with this digital AI response. I mean, the people that are customers of your product or service, they need more than that if they have a problem. And so, yeah, I, I agree with that. And again, Tesla's you know their showrooms and service centers or service center pluses as they call them. 
I mean, they still have humans that work there, but they're also stretched thin very often because, you know, running a car company and doing maintenance on cars is still a very real thing, even if it is electric. I mean, you, you have reduced maintenance, but you still have wear and tear and you still have things that can go wrong. So I think that if they did have a better structure there for how to, um, you know, engage with people personally, it would it would mitigate some of these problems they're having uh, from a you know customer satisfaction perspective. Um, but you know, time will tell to see if they continue to grow that. I, I agree completely. So we're we're I think we're good there. I think we've wrapped up everything. We've hit all of our major talking points. Um, I think we're perilously close to having a show here. So let's plug Miami coming up in October, <laughs> October eighth and 9th. You're going to be there, yes. That is the rumor. I mean, it, right. it, is, it is rumored that I will be there as well, just like in New York. All right. Matt Teske will be in Miami in proper swim attire. Very define. short shorts. Yeah, so I was going to say define proper. <laughs> define proper because we're going to be uh, we're going to be riding Tiger's personal watercraft. We're going to be riding the flight boards. We're going to be taking out the sea bobs. And uh, we are going to have a whole lot of really exciting underwater footage. And we're going to see if my personal resemblance to like an elephant seal is only skin deep. <laughs> well, yeah, my, mine would be to a pale albatross or something. <laughs> pale al- I, you certainly have been a bad omen ever since I've met you. <laughs> uh, well, that's, that's, that's brutal. Uh, but <laughs> what, what that means is, is it's still only rumored that I'll be in Miami. Might, <laughs> At this point, the rumor is getting thin. Yeah. You, you, you might find yourself asking yourself, how, how is it I've gotten through Miami without Matt? And I'll be like, how Hey man, I through Miami without Matt. I know. I hope you go. I think it'll be fun. I'll definitely be there. It's, it's, it's on, it's on the calendar. Thanks for listening to the electrify podcast. Brought to you by the creators of Electrify Expo. Be sure to catch full video episodes on YouTube at Electrify TV. And follow along on social media for daily clips and more.